Hello and welcome to East to West WLS, the podcast where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. Today we have two very special guests. Our very own Natalie is joining us for this conversation. Good morning, Nat. Good morning. So the reason that we wanted to invite Natalie on is because we have the honor of interviewing Dr. Ariel Ortiz, her surgeon, on the podcast today. Welcome, Dr. Ortiz. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, I'm so, so very honored that, that, that we could borrow some of your time this morning and ask you some very meaningful questions for people who are either in the pre-op or the post-op stage uh, of bariatric surgery. So Natalie, if you just will very briefly, let us know what your experience has been with uh, Dr. Ortiz and the Obesity Control Center. I mean, everything has been great from start to finish. Um, I just inquiring at the very beginning was given uh, a plethora of information that helped me uh, guide me to this decision. Um, shortly after I got a phone call from Dr. Ortiz, which was nothing like you would get in the United States um, and very comforting to know that he uh, was able to help me. Um, soon after that, I, you know, sent off my deposit and started and I had just the best support during my pre-op process, um, all of the support from my nutritionist, Lucia, um, and then, you know, getting to Mexico, all of it was just so meticulously prepared and I didn't have to worry about anything. Um, but also just being taken care of uh, on a personal level, um, all of the doctors, nurses, everyone at the hotel, um, everyone is just catering to you, uh, which is just an experience in itself. Um, and then, you know, the post-op, I'm uh, three and a half months uh, post-op uh, and, you know, every day I get an email, um, I get communication from OCC, I get, uh, if I have questions, I can contact Lucia or a doctor um, that day, you know, by email or phone call. Um, the support uh, just all around has just been amazing. We... Uh, yeah, every time Jason and I talk with Natalie about her experience, we're just blown away because the support that you offer, Dr. Ortiz, to your clients before and after weight loss surgery is really unparalleled to what to what he and I experienced. And the more uh, conversations that we have with members of our community about their experience at your center, it is just it, it's it's the most consistent type of support that I have ever come across after any type of, of bariatric surgery. It's just uh, astounding. And obviously your clients are finding wonderful success after their procedures. Yeah, it's all about the success. And the truth is this is not to be taken lightly. Of course, uh, surgery is never the easy way out, but there's a lot of science be behind what we're doing now. A lot of science. Now I started this uh, 25 years ago, quarter century, and we didn't know as much as we do now. Uh, uh, and there's unfortunately it's still going to be the main way to revert metabolic disease and excess weight but on the right end of things it actually is very straightforward uh, very swift very uh, quick uh, weight loss procedures maybe 20 minutes but it's not just a surgery that's going to change your life it's a tool it's a tool that's used in combination with the rest of the information, that plethora of information that, that uh, was commented about, which is used together in order to be able to change, 
to create a dramatic change in, in lifestyle and in health. And I think that's, it's so critical that, that people understand that. And it's one of the reasons that Jason and I started East to West. It's one of the reasons Natalie has joined us. And she's such a prominent kind of influencer in our community is because it, you know, it's one thing to, to have the surgery. It's one thing to go to the store and so-called pick up the tool that you need, but it's a completely different thing to actually use your tool as it has been designed to help you find success. And I think so many people look at or go into bariatric surgery, just assuming that that's going to fix everything, right? That I'm going to have this procedure and then boom, uh, you know, all of my, my food issues or, or things that were related to my weight are just going to disappear. And it doesn't disappear. The only thing that it does is it gives you something that you could use when you all of a sudden realize how food and your weight has impacted your life, right? All of these different facets. And that is where the support is needed. That is where people find success after bariatric bariatric surgery, but it's just so hard to articulate, you know, what the work of, of bariatric surgery is to anybody who hasn't yet had it yet, or even somebody who's just recently had it. And then they have that moment of realization of, oh my gosh, you know, the surgery really is just a, a tool. I really have to put in the hard work if I want to learn to live my life at a lower healthy weight. It's just, yeah, astronomical. Well, what you guys are doing is incredible uh, because it's an essential part of success. If you don't have the support system, then that tool is not usually used correctly or to its fullest potential. So kudos to you guys. Well, thank we, you. <laughs> we appreciate that. One of the things, too, that April and I are finding and Natalie as well from helping us out is that we find that there's a lot of people out there that didn't that a didn't know they needed support or B didn't even know what type of support they needed until they stumbled upon it and realized that it wasn't something that they were getting from their surgeon or their, you know, from the center that they have their surgery at, which is one of the things that Natalie boasts so much about you guys is that, you know, we're all sent home with our bariatric Bible is what we like to call it. They give you your little, you know, your little worksheets that say, well, at six months out, you need to be at this much protein and this much, you know, water and this much this, but that's the only way it's broken down. They don't, they leave it up to you to figure out how to get those things, how to meet those numbers. And a lot of people that have had the surgery don't do, you know, we don't know how to do the research that comes into knowing how to meet the macros without going over in certain other areas, which will cause a stall or things like that, like you, you know, as you well know. And so it's, it's amazing to get to talk to people that have had surgery in different areas and know the support that they're getting versus what, you know, other people in America are used to getting so that we kind of know a better way to break that down, you know, to help people figure out exactly what they need to be doing to meet those goals. Definitely. And, and what we've learned over the years is everybody's different and uh, everybody's going to understand uh, differently or is going to have a, maybe a different level of interest into getting involved in their own uh, process. So what we've done is we've broken it down into very small, very basic units of, of knowledge. And then if you want to go and deepen your knowledge, what we've created is a basic video course that's delivered to all our patients almost on a daily basis, which means that they're going to be seeing my ugly face or my nutritionist face almost on a daily basis with three-minute videos. But then we've created an advanced course, and that advanced course is actually the, the latest and the greatest information with scientific backing on what the real truth 
or, or science is saying about the stuff we kind of poorly understand. So w we, we've known for years that it's not just the tool, the weight loss surgery. There has to be a preparation. Uh, you have to know what you're getting into. Once you have the procedure, you have to go back home and have a realistic expectation of what's going to happen. Uh, you, you, we have to be in constant contact because we want to know all the symptoms you're feeling, et cetera, et cetera. We want to be able to hold your hand through those uh, maybe uh, 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 challenging uh, times as you adapt. But then once that happens, then you're home free, and a lot of patients will say, well, I'm done, I'm ready to go, and let's rock and roll and go back to what we used to do. And it's like, no, wait, <laughs> this is the start of a new life and of a new understanding of a new relationship with food, with food, with stress, with inflammation, all the things that we want to change. And here are the basic knowledge we want to teach you. Just very basic. If you want to learn some more, let's learn it together. And it's incredible how science is producing so much info now that contradicts everything we've learned in the past 30 years. This conversation is going to be so powerful for, for people uh, at the very beginning of their journey, in, in the middle, like Jason and I are, or, or years and years, you know, outside of, of their surgery. We're, we're so excited to really dive into to the topics today of uh, of you know why weight loss surgery is such a powerful tool, how we can find success before and after our procedures, and what it really means to be a bariatric patient. Because as as Jason and I are just uh, the th uh, the three of us are discovering, this is a lifetime change. We we really now think of our lives as what happened before our bariatric procedure and what happened after our bariatric procedure. And yeah, you you are going to shed so much light on this topic, and we are just so thankful because. Our goal is to, to normalize weight loss surgery, right? To, to normalize bariatric surgery, to let people know that this is a medical tool that you can access to live your life at a healthy weight, right? Just like uh, you would perhaps receive a, a heart valve transplant, or you're gonna take insulin for diabetes. This is something else in the, in the modern world of medicine that we can access to live our lives at a healthy weight for us. So, oh my goodness. Okay, I'm ready to dive in. Are you guys ready? Yes, ma'am. All right. Let's do it. So just to, to, to give our listeners and our watchers and, and our followers just kind of a, a foundation for who you are, I'm just going to refer to my notes uh, because I, I want to make sure that I don't miss any part of this. You truly are one of the founders of bariatric uh, medicine. You were, were or part of the team that developed the lap band procedure, which is a, a type of, of bariatric, uh, bariatric medicine. You've been in the field for, as you said, over, over 25 years. Uh, and you are a fellow of the American College of Surgeons, uh, the American Society of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery, and a professor of surgery and clinical medicine at the Autonomous University of Baja California School of Medicine. And that's just a few of the things that you are. So it's, I feel very safe to say that like you are kind of the father of bariatric surgery. Am I correct? <laughs> well, we're, we're, we were right time, right place, let's say. When I finished my residency, I ended up being uh, um, invited to the first course in bariatric surgery in America. And one of the uh, researchers from Belgium came over and he taught handful of surgeons in America and then we became uh, the proctors, the teachers for bariatric procedures in, in Latin America and the United States and Canada and I was pretty young. I mean I was 30 years old and 
obesity wasn't as rampant as it is today. Uh, so we had a chance to start taking care of those patients that needed it uh, back then, but it just exponentially grew. So right time, right place. And now it's over 24,000 surgeries later, we've learned so much. Oh my goodness. What, what drew you to the field of bariatric medicine? Was there something that really was exciting or, or interesting to you? Or was it, was it the up and coming field in medicine when you kind of entered, entered the, the field? I have to say that uh, before I started bariatrics, I, I did a year of plastics in San Diego, plastic surgery. So we were doing a lot of breast implants, breast reductions, a lot of uh, different uh, uh, plastic and reconstructive procedures. Uh, I also toured around the world as one of the uh, three experts in hernia surgery. Uh, so back then, industry would pay our way around so we could teach the techniques. And I was passionate about hernia surgery. Um, but having said that, uh, we, we, we still had this growing epidemic of obesity around the world. And it so happened that I was invited to this course. And what drew me to it was that it was a complete new science. And we really very understood the very little about how uh, surgery could impact the well-being of somebody by helping them lose weight. Um, having said that, when I did and when we started doing the surgeries, it was dramatic seeing my patients change dramatically from what they were months later down the line uh, lose this massive amount of weight, but not just become physically different, but mentally different and metabolically different. When I started seeing that surgery could cure diabetes and hypertension and bad cholesterol and all these different things and the joint pain wasn't there anymore and the quality of life was so different that I said, oh my God, this fell into my lap. I'm so blessed to be able to do it and to be able to bless others. And that's where it all started. Uh, that speaks, I think, to all of our hearts. And Jason and Natalie, I would love for you guys to kind of share just a, a very brief um, kind of testimony to like what has changed in your life after surgery. Because as Dr. Ortiz says, I mean, it's just like you become a completely new person after surgery. So Jason, what, what has kind of been the, the biggest transformation that, that you've noticed? Very similar to what Dr. Ortiz says, how, how has your life really changed since surgery? A, a lot of what Dr. Ortiz just said actually spoke to me, the joint pain, uh, metabolically changing, all my, you know, all my stats have gone down as far as cholesterol and all that goes. At my heaviest, I was 468 pounds. And uh, that was on uh, March 11th uh, or well, Two weeks before March 11th, when I started my liquid diet of 2020, I was 468 pounds. And as of this morning, I weighed 301.8 pounds. So I'm at my lowest that I've been since surgery. Um, and I have completely normal labs now when I go in. Uh, my knees that used to just be a wreck when I would try to, I have like a, a six step staircase at the back of my work that I used to walk up and it would take me everything dragging myself up by the arm rails to get up the top of those stairs and my knee would hurt for the first hour I was at work just from trying to get up there. And now I can, you know, mow the entire front backyard of my house and do work inside and out and it doesn't hurt at all. I don't get winded in it. Like I used to get winded walking from the front door of my house to the car and now I can mow the entire yard and be perfectly fine. 
So it's been a it's been a tremendous change for me that I truly can say saved my life. Hey guys, it's April. Richard Drinks Hot Cacao is my absolute favorite warm beverage. Not only is it decadent and creamy, but it's actually healthy for you. Did you know that cacao has over 40 times the antioxidants of blueberries? 40 times! Antioxidants and sort of free radicals, which cause cell and tissue damage. And we are on a mission to live our best lives. Retreat drinks is something that I incorporate almost daily into my life to make sure it's the best. You should definitely check them out. Visit their website at retreatdrinks.com and use the code East to West for 20% off your first order. Happy sipping. Yeah, and I guess I would say for myself, um, I have always had issues with psoriasis and other like inflammation um, in my body, <laughs> um, being uh, as obese as I was. And I, I kid you not, uh, within a month of surgery, um, it's been completely cleared. I haven't had any anything on my scalp. Uh, I used to have bumps on my arms um, from like eczema, psoriasis. Um, and it's completely gone. And so for me, that just shows that it is a metabolic, there's something going on before, um, you really are sick. Um, and those are signs of being sick and, um, never really realized it until after, um, my mom noticed obviously, cause she's my mom and she's like, Oh, you, you know, you don't have like, you know, the head dandruff or anything. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. That's weird. You know, it just kind of disappeared. Um, so, I mean, those things are amazing. My energy is different. Um, I feel like I, I do have this mental clarity, um, that we all kind of talk about, uh, throughout this podcast, but, um, I, I would say the most amazing thing for me is, is not having that inflammation, the psoriasis and all of that. And it just kind of mm-hmm. disappeared. And it's so, when people reach out to us and they ask us like, should I have bariatric surgery? I'm really nervous because of X, Y, and Z. It's so hard to be able to articulate to them that every aspect of your life will change after surgery. And that's not a bad thing because you don't know what you don't know until you're living life a little bit thinner. You just don't realize what the weight has been keeping down or holding down, right? Until it's gone. And then all of a sudden every day, it seems like you realize, oh, this is easier or this is different or this is not as arduous or I have more capacity for you fill in the blank. And it's just so hard to explain that to somebody who has been so dependent or or reliant on, on food to help them through their days. And yeah, I think really by sharing these stories and by talking about weight loss surgery as, as a medical tool that we can that we can use to, to live our lives at a healthy weight, we're hoping that more people will at least do the research and, and consider it and know that it, know that it's out there. Which is kind of one of you know my my first questions to you, Dr. Ortiz. Why do you think so many people wait so long to either begin the research about bariatric surgery or actually you know make the decision to have it? Why is it still considered such like a, a taboo medical procedure? I think it's seen as a last resource uh, uh, by a lot of people. It's seen as the 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 last uh, uh, thing you're gonna do once you've tried everything else. And uh, I have my thoughts very specifically on that. It shouldn't be the last resource. It should be the first one. 
Um, having said that, it's also considered only for somebody that's extremely uh, overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in general, and even in the medical community, especially in the United States, coverage by insurance is only going to happen when somebody is extremely sick or extremely overweight uh, or in extremely incapacitated. And I think these are errors. I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Um, seven out of ten people in the United States, adults, are overweight or obese. Seven out of ten. Uh, the United States also has some of the fattest adolescents in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, second to Mexico. We have the first. We finally beat the U.S. at something, right? <laughs> uh, which is terrible. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's the only thing we could do. We could fatter kids. So adolescents, there's still the obesity epidemic and kids are still growing in certain parts of the world, which means that more and more kids are obese. Mm -hmm. And that's not just, we're just talking the tip of the iceberg. When I say mm -hmm. overweight or obese, I haven't even talked about the real true culprit or the real true problem, underlying problem, which is metabolic syndrome. And I don't want to bore anybody, but let me put it to you this way. Diabetes, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high insulin, high cholesterol triglycerides, uh, and... Um, excess weight, uh, especially the uh, circumference of your waist, all these things are basically metabolic syndrome. Now, why would somebody want to pay attention to these next 30 seconds? It's really simple. 82% of the U.S. adult population has metabolic syndrome. 82%. There's a study where at least one of these five things that I mentioned, adults have it. And why would you care if you have high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high triglycerides, high insulin, high uh, cholesterol, etc.? Simply because 60% of what people die in this modern world is associated to that disease, either heart attacks or cancer. Having said all this, why would you want to wait till you're really sick yeah. to have a procedure that's going to revert it in a matter of weeks? So Jason was just talking about how it changed his life. This thing changes your life in a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. So to put things back into perspective, I believe that at least 7 out of 10 people are candidates for a surgery that is very simple, very straightforward, and that's going to dramatically change their life preemptively. Why would you want to wait till you're 100, 150 pounds overweight? when we can do it when you're 20 or 30 pounds overweight? Mm -hmm. Or is there really a doubt that when you're 20 or 30 pounds overweight that you'll be able to reach that 100-pound excess weight? There's no doubt in our, in, in our minds. Everybody can do it. Everybody, I mean, basically, that is not an impediment. I've never seen somebody fade away in weight loss. Oh, I gained some pounds, and now I'm back to my normal weight. And what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Uh, unfortunately, it's the environment and the yeah. food we're eating and mm -hmm. uh, the, the way we live that is creating this disease, which is progressive, and it has no way out. There's only three things that can cure it. Um, and I'm not just talking about the excess weight. I'm talking about metabolic syndrome and excess weight. So 
a lot of people, a lot more people are candidates uh, that are listening in right now, and they can be overweight as little as 20 pounds and they're already good candidates but we can talk about that i'll let you i'll let you lead the questions yeah. <laughs> well, and one, of, one of the things speaking to exactly what you were talking about i i try to tell people like i got put on a two-week liquid diet within that first week i lost 30 pounds that initial 30 pounds itself was life altering to me in the way I was able to move around. So when I tell, when I told people just that alone, cause they were like, well, how do you feel? And I was like, honestly, I feel fantastic compared to what I did feel like. So I can't imagine. And, and so now when I'm looking at it and I'm almost 170 pounds down, it, the, it's just tremendous what it did, but just that first 30 pounds alone, was a change enough for me to be locked in. I was ready to go at that point. Like you couldn't have scared me off from having the surgery for after, after that for anything because I was ready. Yeah, and I think it's also something to be said about um, what you said, Dr. Ortiz, about how, our environment and what we're eating and how we're eating. And uh, I was on a, a three month long extended pre-op diet um, that, um, Dr. Ortiz and, and my nutritionist Lucia have developed. And um, it was very strict, but it made me, before my surgery even happened, it made me think about whole foods. I mean, every day I was getting these emails about why we eat certain things and, um, you know, why we try to stick to the whole foods. And um, even just before my surgery, I was changing the way I was thinking about food. And I think you know, that's important to, to carry along with us, but it's important to kind of change that part of your brain. That's like, Oh, this is, this is fuel for my body. This isn't a comfort thing. It's, it's supposed to help me. And people always say, how did you lose so much weight pre-op? And I just said, I just ate what my nutritionist told me to, it was whole foods. It was lean meat. Mm -hmm. Um, nothing else. <laughs> and it, it's amazing how you change that one. It sounds simple. It, it is difficult, but that one simple thing in your life and um, you will already see changes. And I get, I get questions all the time. I did not have a lengthy pre-op. I think I, I had to do liquids for maybe two days and, and that was it before my surgery. But people often ask me or they ask us, well, you know, well, then why did you have the surgery if you lost so much weight just in your pre-op? And I think what, what many people don't, don't know or are not able to articulate is that we have all lost weight. I lost 60 pounds on a different program, Jason the same and, and Natalie the same. But where, where, the, where the catch is, is that we got to our low weight, but we did so in a way that was not sustainable. We were not eating real food. We were constantly battering, battling physical and emotional and mental hunger. We got to that low weight and we, and we realized, oh my God, I don't actually know how to live as a lighter person, as a thin person. I know how to follow this very strict, stringent plan that leaves me more miserable than not. So you get to this point and, and you have this moment of realization and panic. And then the only thing that you can do is go back to what you were doing before, because that's that's where where you find comfort. You, you get to this low weight and you really panic because you realize that I can't do this forever. I, this, is, this is more miserable than the misery that I was in at my higher weight. And sometimes I think that the shows like My 600 Pound Life, which I love to watch, are in some ways do a little bit of a disservice because they're only showing people in this extreme 
weight category, right? Whereas, you know, I would look at that and I'd say, well, at least I don't weigh 600 pounds. I weigh 326 pounds, which is, it's not a big deal, right? I can lose weight. I've done it before diet cultures and all these, you know, people and programs are telling me that all I need to do is X, Y, and Z. And it's simple. Well, it's not because it's much more than just, you know, what, what we eat. And I'm so thankful that, that you are able to say this is for anybody who has these symptoms or these, these syndromes for anybody whose, you know, waist is this round or, you know, 20 pounds overweight. It's so comforting to know that, you know, I, uh, you know, my weight is, you know, there's lots of reasons that that we have a difficult time living at a healthy weight. And it's not because we go through drive-throughs every day. It's not because we sneak food, right? It's because we have real biological metabolic things that are going on in our bodies that prevent us from living at a weight that's healthy for us, right? And I, I'm not saying just like, uh, that's why we too never say what somebody's new low weight should be because every body is different. I might wanna weigh 180 pounds, that just not might be the reality for my body. So if we can learn to live at a healthy weight for us, for where our doctors say, nope, your, your levels are great. Your diabetes is gone, right? All of those things that you were talking about disappear when, when you lose this weight. It's just, it, it's unfortunate that people wait so long, but as, as you said, there's a lot of, a lot of things that go into that. There's a lot of noise on yeah. what's right, what's wrong, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? Mm -hmm. And uh, it went, when science has reanalyzed how this, these trends have all started, uh, when I'm talking about weight loss uh, uh, programs, we unfortunately had it really wrong. Mm -hmm. We had it wrong since the 1960s, 1950s. Researchers started correlating uh, diet and heart disease. So they said, you know what, it's probably fat that's creating the heart disease. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they did some trials and they found out that there, yeah, there was a correlation. Six countries study uh, done by Ansel Keys, a physiologist uh, that then was hired by the US government and he created the food pyramid. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, that's where it all started that we were told eat a lot more carbs, eat a lot less fat and you'll be uh, doing really well. And it's interesting that it coincided with the epidemic of obesity and diabetes. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, the opposite has, is, is true. The more fat you eat, the less probability of heart attacks you're gonna have. Uh, it's actually the carbs, uh, the sugars that have been associated to obesity and associated to fatty liver disease and diabetes and heart attacks, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, even though in recent times, nobody had heard five years ago about what ketones were or ketosis or et cetera, it wasn't until this great scientist named uh, um, Kardashian, uh, <laughs> went public with her <laughs> diet and then suddenly oh she's a scientist yeah let's follow her lead and then became world popular but behind all of this fad and there is some science to be discussed about for uh, um, what should be people uh, should people be doing to lose that excess weight and revert their metabolic syndrome and um, surgery 
definitely plays a role in a good population uh, of people that are trying to revert their excess weight and their metabolic disease. And both goes ha hand in hand. If you're overweight, 80% of the people that are overweight have metabolic syndrome. And, and the big kicker here is that 30% of people that are not overweight have metabolic syndrome. So even if you're not overweight, you could potentially be a candidate for weight loss surgery. So is, is this what, um, I've seen this in a, in a few articles recently, but this concept of being your skinny fat, right? So on the surface, you present like you are, are a healthy person because you, you don't appear to be carrying excess weight, but internally you are a disaster and, you, and your chances of dying of heart attacks or other things are just as great because, because of the, these metabolic syndromes. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Tofies, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. So, so it's really not a matter of how much you weigh. And I tell all my patients, don't weigh yourself that much. It's about how much body fat you carry. And body fat is created by the consumption usually of sugar, um, not really fat. Um, so it, it, it has changed so much the way we view uh, how you get overweight and how to resolve it this thing about calories in calories out was also a big error that no no way has that been proven it's actually been disproven and big big huge uh studies around the world including in the u.s the largest one that said move more eat less that was a total failure they actually had to cancel the National Institute of Health had to cancel that study because it didn't work. After years, almost a decade of people moving more and eating less, you know what happened? They didn't get any thinner. They didn't oh. get any healthier. So mm -hmm. it really isn't calories in, calories out. It's a different understanding of metabolic wellness. So I always, I, I, people may want to hear a little bit about bariatric surgery and yes it's a tool we also call it metabolic surgery because it's one of those three things that we now know that can revert metabolic disease and yes I'm, I'm worried that people are overweight and their quality of life and but I'm more worried about their inflammatory status their diseases like hypertension, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, that sooner or later are going to create disease and probably even uh, uh, kill the patient. So that's why I concentrate more on if you're overweight, you probably have metabolic syndrome and we want to address it earlier than later. Oh my gosh, my brain, I'm just like, I'm, I don't know if you can see this. And if you're watching, you see me looking down because I'm like frantically writing notes about what you're saying. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, so you just said something that absolutely blew my mind because that the, those two words together, metabolic wellness. I mean, I have like goosebumps because it's so difficult to explain to people what the work of weight loss surgery is. And Natalie and Jason are both great. Because uh -huh. this is like, we're really trying to, to work on this over here at East to West because you can have the surgery. Absolutely. But if you eat what you ate before surgery, after surgery, you are going to weigh what you weighed or more 
after surgery, right? Because if you are still eating these high sugar, these processed foods that are not, you know, holistically nutritious, the surgery isn't going to do anything for you, right? Because you can, you know, many of us, you can still drink soda, you can still have candy bars, you can eat chips, you can eat all of these foods that, that, that are going to kill you. And just because you have a tinier stomach, it doesn't mean anything, you can still eat those foods. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, going through this mind shift after surgery is so difficult because you really have to wrap your brain around, oh no, I really do have to become a completely different person uh, in order to find success. Uh, and people are just not prepared for that. So, so when you say metabolic wellness, what are, what are you talking about? What does that mean to you? So we live in an inflammatory state, unfortunately. Uh, like I said, this study I was quoting 2009, 2016, looked at adults in the United States and they, they found that only 12.2% of the U.S. adult popu population is metabolically fit, which means that the rest... 87.8% uh, of the U.S. population e is either overweight or has high blood pressure, high blood sugar, high insulin, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, which in turn has been directly linked to heart attacks, cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's, etc. The stuff that kills us. S over 60% of the people that die in the United States die of things related to metabolic syndrome. Come on, you got to worry about that. People are going nuts with COVID-19 right now. That's nothing compared to the pandemic of metabolic disease. So when we talk about metabolic wellness, I'm talking about, first of all, we all live in an inflammatory status. We're all inflamed. We'll go back to that. Number two, seven out of 10 people are overweight or obese, right? Number three, we're all stressed out. So when you add these three things together, now you've got the perfect combination for disease. We know that there's a direct correlation between these three situations and disease. So the logic would be, why don't we revert these things, try to control them, and see what happens. So we were talking about inflammatory state. What causes inflammation? Well. The easiest thing to do is manufactured food. In the early 1900s, we ate a pound of sugar at best in a year. Well, sugar didn't even exist back then. It was basically started being manufactured, etc. We didn't eat processed oils, processed fats, and processed flour didn't exist. Neither did heart attacks. Uh, Cancers were extremely low. Neither was diabetes. It was unheard of. 176 cases, I think, they found in the 1800s, and they were, like, uh, so surprised that it was a lot. 176 cases in one hospital. Oh, my God. So when we look at what has happened in 100 years and we see how disease has become exponentially the curves have exponentially grown, we can pair them up with the consumption of processed foods, processed sugars, processed oils, and processed flours. So what am I saying with that? You don't want to be inflamed. Don't eat processed foods. 50% of 
uh, the food we eat in America is processed foods. Keep away from processed foods. That, that's, that's the first and easiest way to keep away from inflammation. Uh, stress. We live in a stressed society. We need to mm -hmm. learn how to go back to basics. And there's from uh, meditation to, to even uh, um, uh, religion, um, etc. There's so much that we could actually do to revert that stress. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, that excess weight and that state of metabolic disease that we're talking about is highly associated to what we eat. We all live in a situation, a lot of us do, where our insulin is creeping up higher and higher and higher, and that in turn is an anabolic hormone which makes you fatter and fatter and fatter and hungry and hungry and hungrier and that's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation as i was saying since the 1960s but what are the three things that you can do to dramatically change your metabolic wellness we said the two first things inflammation and um and uh, um stress Lower stress mm -hmm. low stress but the most important things you can do from a diet standpoint, from an eating standpoint to revert metabolic syndrome, especially if you're already diseased, if you already have, like say for instance, diabetes, you can do intermittent fasting, you can do therapeutic carb restriction, which means low carb lifestyle, low carb, high fat eating, and you can have surgery. What do we do at OCC? We combine all three. And in fact, our program is designed to remove, to do all, to use these three tools, which is intermittent fasting, low carb therapeutic carb restriction, weight loss surgery. And then we also address the inflammatory state and uh, the, uh, the uh, last one, which is the stress. Stress. Yes. I, I wanted you to jump in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, I, uh, I am like, I, I had a loss for words and that does not happen very often. I'm just blown. I mean, I'm just blown away because I, I mean, I guess while I knew all of these things, they did not exist in the same like graphic. I, I'm very, I'm a visual person. So when I'm thinking about, you know, the work of weight loss surgery, to see all three of these things in a graphic really explains how all of these come together to help to help me and to help us maintain this metabolic wellness because uh, you know i've always known and, and we have always said it's not just about the food that you eat yes you eat less and you have to be very cognizant and aware of the type of foods that you're taking in but if you have stalled out in your weight loss you need to look at the other facets of your life right are you stressed uh, are, are, are you tracking things like what foods are you eating and nine times out of ten people say well i don't know i, I i'm not i'm not tracking and it's like okay but then you don't know what what's actually going on but to have such a very clear roadmap to what it takes to find success after weight loss surgery, I mean, this is just astronomical, right? And the way that we get to really these, this state of, of metabolic wellness is really, it's just through, through tracking, it's through working on our habits and routines that allow us to, to do these things every day, or that help us exclude the items that 
we know will lead to inflammation or or higher stress. I mean, this is just like. Well, and it's it's funny that you mentioned the the the, the difference between the the move more and eat less people because April and I consistently say. If it was all about cardio, there wouldn't be any fat mailmen, there wouldn't be any fat teachers, there wouldn't be any fat, you know, because these people move around all day long, and they're constantly trying diets and things of that nature. And so yeah, that, that for people to just say, well, you got to do is move a little bit more, just jump on a treadmill, eat a salad, you know, you'll be all right. And it's like, yeah, I've tried all that. But thanks, though. Yeah, the, the, the most powerful thing I learned at my time with Weight Watchers is fitness happens in the gym, weight loss happens in the kitchen. Right. People always want to come at us and be like, oh, you should have just gone to the gym more. Really? Then why you look like a box of cornflakes at the gym? No, this that is not the only thing that you need in life. This is ridiculous. If I don't move, I'm not going to, to live a long, healthy life, period. Right. So movement is absolutely a necessary component to, to this, you know, to, to our life being healthy. But the only thing that's really going to impact our weight and, and body fat is what we consume. And if we're consuming high sugar or processed foods, like as you said, it doesn't matter if we'd have, have weight loss surgery and it doesn't matter if we eat very little. If I'm still eating candy bars and chips every single day, I'm never going to weigh something that's healthy for my body ever. And Dr. Ortiz, I have to ask you, I have never heard about processed flour before. I, that's never something that I even considered. So are you saying that like even our flour is processed to the point that it now is not something that is healthy for us? Well, those three things we, we were talking about, what are the three ingredients of processed foods? Processed flour, processed oils, and processed sugars. They're the exact ingredients of, and there definitely is a correlation between the amount of processed foods we are eating that's the first and foremost vehicle of of bad uh compounds in our body i'm, I'm going to give you a stat which is extremely extremely alarming and and this one probably is going to hit home uh to all the viewers this is the first time in the history of humanity that adolescents and children have non alcoholic liver cirrhosis first time ever i mean obviously kids and adolescents don't usually have liver cirrhosis dependent on alcohol but this is the first time that we see it dependent on fructose fructose wow. is only metabolized in the liver fructose comes from sugars from processed sugars and sugars are hidden everywhere in processed foods this is a big problem that's up and coming because we are now seeing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in adolescents as much as adults. Wow. And when Jason was saying, it's like, hey, man, I felt so much better with those two weeks. You know why you felt so much better two weeks? Because your liver immediately detoxed. And that fatty liver that we all create because of the content of carbs and sugars we're eating immediately shrank and suddenly your blood starts flowing better and suddenly all those hormones that were crazy in your body all those toxins suddenly eliminated i have seen and so have other there's few surgeons in the united states that are uh, that have this new way of of thinking about 
surgery and metabolic wellness. One is Dr. Robert Siwiz. He's in the East Coast. So happens that he's on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast, right? Goes East to West. You're very own East yeah. to West. <laughs> exactly. And he has documented that fatty liver disease, just like that, can revert in as little as 72 hours. Wow. Oh, my so God. For those that have fatty liver disease and if you have metabolic syndrome, you have a fatty liver. You can revert it in as little as a week by cutting the content of processed food, especially cu cutting the carb content. And a lot of people tell me, Doc, what about fruit? It's like, well, fruit is a candy of, of nature. So if, if we're going to therapeutically restrict carbs, we have to do it in a, in a well-structured way and then slowly reintroduce some, but people ask me, say, Doc, how can we live without carbs? Let me put it to you this way. We know of essential fatty acids, right? They're essential fatty acids means that your body doesn't produce them, that if you don't eat them, you can certainly get sick or die. Uh, we know of essential proteins, essential amino acids. 10 of the 20 amino acids are essential. Your body doesn't produce them, you have to eat them, right? Does anybody, can anybody name an essential carb? No, they don't exist. No. You can live without a carb all your life and never have an issue because they do not have that nutritional value as uh, proteins and uh, fats do. So this is where it, we, I'm, I'm not saying that it's simply just because we're eating too many carbs. We know as a fact that we are eating too many carbs. But when you compound the effect of processed foods with all the stuff they put in the processed foods, mm -hmm. and yes, there's stabilizers and dyes and stuff like that. But let me tell you this. Did you know that 99% of the wheat, says the US, United States Department of Agri Agriculture, is sprayed with the wheat killer called Roundup that is now associated to cancer? 99% of it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, all your corn and all your soy is Roundup Ready crops, so the growers have paid a premium for this genetically altered seed that or grain that actually resists the spraying of Roundup. So all the corn and soy that is grown in the United States, over 90% of it is sprayed with Roundup. And corn, soy, uh, and wheat are the main ingredients of processed foods. So when you're eating processed foods, you're eating a massive amount of this weed killer, glyphosate, which is uh, a substance that really doesn't affect human hormones, but it does affect bacteria hormones. Guess who it kills? It kills your microbiota, the intestinal bacteria that are in charge of keeping you stable and well and, and healthy. So when we kill those bacterias, we then see disease. These are the things that people don't think about when they're eating their Oreo cookies or their chips, etc. Haven't even gotten started because <laughs> we can talk about uh, processed oils, the processed fats. Uh, but I'll let you guys interject because there's oh. so much to talk about. Wow. Oh no, you uh, you. You have started something huge here with this conversation. But what 
why this helps me and why this helps people like me is because I don't do something if I don't understand the why. I don't do something if I don't understand the rationale. And maybe that's a part of my addiction. Maybe that's a part of my personality. I'm gonna let the universe dictate that. But once I know the why, I can't unknow it, right? It's like one of those things, like once you see something, you can't unsee it. It's kind of tied in today's, we're recording on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The events of George Floyd were something that I could not unsee and it changed my, my, my actions around racial justice, it just did. But this conversation is like unseeing the, like the smoke and mirrors that, that has always been in, in diet culture here in the United States and what I have been taught about nutrition. I mean, in, in a two hour conversation, I mean, you should see, I have like, I feel like I'm in a college course. I got like eight pages of flipping notes here because I'm like, oh my God, what? Uh, uh, metabolic syndrome, uh, uh, metabolic wellness, never heard that before. For the first time ever, and I'm 39 years old, I finally know what an essential nutrient is. Like you just simply said, it's called essential because your body doesn't make it, but you need it. What? How the <laughs> frick did I? I have a master's degree. I, I was in college for 13 flipping years. Never had I heard that before. You've got to be and, kidding and me. Natalie, and Natalie knows that we really strive to educate our patients and at least make these basic uh, fundaments uh, known to them because then comes the curiosity and say hmm, maybe i should get a little bit more info on x y and z and that's why every single patient gets a online education course which starts the day they book with us which are series of videos, three-minute videos or texts that uh, arrive via email or via text, and they give you these very basic concepts of good, bad, true, not true, noise, real, just small little basic concepts that then will help you use that as a baseline and suddenly grow and then when you start your own research, you're going to say, ah, this doesn't seem true, or I'm not going to go there. This must be a fad. Let's go back to Lucia and the nutrition team and ask her stuff, because we're always available as well. Hey, guys, it's April. I don't know if you know this, but Gather Juice Company was our first podcast sponsor. And for good reason, they make some bomb ass juices. My absolute favorite is the Sunrise and the Pineapple Express. Night Vision and Goldilocks come in a real close third and fourth. I also very much enjoy their smoothies. Pina Colada, top of my list. If you live locally in the Tacoma area, swing by their 6th Avenue location and try it for yourself. You're gonna be hooked. Big shout out to Gather Juice. Thank you for your sponsorship. Well, and that, that's one of the questions that, that I really wanted to ask you today. And I'm, I'm very excited for Natalie to offer her, um, you know, her patient perspective on this, because uh, to be honest, when I decided to have bariatric surgery, I knew some people had gone to Mexico for their procedure. And I just 
thought it was not a good thing. I mean, I, just to be honest, I didn't know anything about it. You you hear things from a friend of a friend of a friend and you think, oh, well, no, that's no, I'm, I'm not going to travel to Mexico. And that's not, you know, U.S. standards and no, no, no. Well, now I'm really kicking myself for for saying that and thinking that because after speaking with Natalie and just visiting your website and seeing some of the resources that you offer your patients, I think I made the wrong choice. I should have gone to Mexico. I should have gone to see you because of the support that you offer before and after. I mean, if I'm learning this with a two hour conversation with you, I can't imagine what I would actually know if I was one of your patients. So uh, the, the, the question, long, long intro to that question, but what is, uh, how does the patient experience differ from, from like what I had here in the United States to what you offer at the, at the obesity control center? And I would love, you know, Dr. Ortiz for you just to say, you know, what you provide. And then Natalie, I would love for you to give your patient experience because right. If, if Dr. Ortiz is saying it's one way, I want to, I want to know that that's, that it is actually that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, the preconceived notion is there, obviously. So you, th uh, people think that it's like, oh, Mexico, the standards are different. People yeah. don't know that really the standards in Mexico are actually much tougher than in the U.S. Uh, from a healthcare standpoint. Having said that, out of respect to my patients, I've always said, you know what, I can toot my own horn, but I'd rather have a third-party international accreditation just to back up the this this uh, what we're claiming to be. Uh, high quality, high standards, high safety. So we've had, we have six, uh, five uh, quality accreditations, Joint Commission International, which is the gold standard, ISO 9001, and many others, just simply because we can, because we do it out of respect for our patients. So like a patient told me today, it's like, I don't know why people would go anywhere else. And I'm like, hey, I might use this, uh, that as a slogan. So yeah. my patient was telling me today, don't mind if I do. Uh, <laughs> and, and so what we offer to the patient, it's not just surgery. I, I want people, my idea is that I have to understand that it's really stressful taking this decision, this big step. So what's my responsibility? Number one, when you select a place, I want you to be reassured that at least from a surgical standpoint, from a safety standpoint, from a effectiveness standpoint, it's going to work. And then you put that little uh, uh, X on the, uh, on the box and you say, all right, I got that covered. What's my other worry? All right, well, if it's going to work, okay, we'll cover that. How do we do it? By educating you before and then following you up after. Um, but what about failing? We'll cover that as well. What about my change in life? We'll cover that. So my responsibility is not just to provide a surgery. It's to provide the environment and the tranquility, the, the peace that is associated to taking this huge step, this decision, and then telling you, I'm going to hold your hand after. And I'm going to use the best resources possible to teach you so you can then in turn influence others and teach them. So we call them influencers. And uh, uh, definitely Natalie is an influencer. Yes. So Natalie, Dr. Ortiz is saying we're, we're covering all these aspects of, of your life before and after surgery. What does that look like on your end, on the patient end? 
Yeah, I mean, so obviously, um, I'm sorry if you hear dogs in the background, um, my neighbors are being loud. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, obviously, if um, my lifestyle beforehand was so different to where it is now, um, you know, before I thought carbs were a part of my plate, they had to be on there. That's what I was taught um, from, you know, a young age. And, um, you know, I was a 90s kid. So that's kind of when this whole epidemic really started. And, um, you know, now just being uh, a patient of Dr. Ortiz and learning that, you know, carbs don't really have to be on your plate as long as you have protein and vegetables you're good, you know, you, you can survive on that. And um, people always uh, tell me that, oh, if you're working out, you need more carbs or, oh, if you're doing, you know, X, Y, or Z and carbs have always made me feel sick. I usually get kind of that carb, um, I don't want to say flu because that's when you're getting off of it, but it, they never made me feel good. Um, and that's something that I'm learning, you know, after surgery that I don't need carbs to be successful. I don't need carbs to, to do anything. Um, I tell people, I just eat protein and vegetables or protein and fruit if I need them. And, um, it does well for me, you know, I don't, I don't need all of the extras, but that's something that I kind of had to learn uh, from all of the videos from Dr. Ortiz and, and his team um, and do more research myself and, and really learn that, you know, I can get by on, on just meat and vegetables and, and I can be happy. And Natalie, I know too, it just in, in our personal conversations, uh, you, you get daily emails, you get text message yeah. reminders, you're asked to submit like how you're feeling and what you're eating and what you're experiencing on a daily, weekly and, and monthly, uh, monthly timeline. You check in with nutritionists yeah. often. You're members of his huge Facebook support group, which is like just yeah. nonstop 24 seven access to, to, to experts and and resources. So if you have a question, if you have a concern, you have multiple places that you can go for information on your own time, right? With the, the videos or, yeah. or the written information in resource links that, that have been vetted, right? To be medically accurate and sound. And then you have people that you can reach out to like 24 seven, it seems like. So no matter yeah. where you are in the journey, you have that support. And recently you and I were talking on the phone and you're like, oh, I got an email from Dr. Ortiz. And it was like, oh, you're this many weeks out. Here's what you should be doing today and this week. And I was like, are you flipping kidding me? Like you get yeah. targeted support. I was blown away. And I was like, yeah. so happy for you. And then I was secretly so mad at myself or so mad. <laughs> I was upset at myself because I'm like, well, I don't have that. I had to call my surgeon and be like, um, did you want to meet with me in a year? Oh, you did. Okay. Well, I didn't get anything from you. So I'm calling to like, yeah. I guess, schedule my one year. I mean, I was like, what? So yeah, the now everything, yeah, everything is just curated, you know, it's like day 106, congratulations. And then it, you know, gives you that day's kind of focus. And I read it every morning. Um, part of what I do every morning as my routine, and it sets my tone for the day, have something to think about or research. Um, you know, and as part of a, the bariatric community, you really have to make this your life. It is your life now. And, um, you know, being a part of OCC, it kind of makes it your life. It's a daily reminder that you had mm -hmm. this done. You can't kind of 
forget, you know, once you're three and a half months out, um, you know, you really have to immerse yourself in it. So Natalie, I would also love to ask you too, what, what was your surgical experience like, right? Jason, and I can, I, we kind of shared ours in the past, but I think it's very similar to kind of what everybody does. You, you get some information leading up to it. You've got an appointment with, with a nurse or, or a PA. They explain to you what the surgical process is. You show up a couple hours early, they get you ready for surgery. You go in, you have your procedure, which is, as you said, Dr. Ortiz, very short. Like our medical procedure was maybe 20 to 30 minutes, right? Our, the time that we spent in, you know, in the surgical environment was longer, but um, after surgery, we spent a night in the hospital. We, he and I both had really great medical care. The nurses were wonderful. And then they send you home with a list of here's what to expect. Take this medication. Here's what you need to be eating, you know, the first week, and then you have a binder. And then I called the nurse all the time because things were happening and I was scared and confused and they were very helpful. They were very responsive, uh, but that was my only recourse. And then that was it. That was, that was the end of, 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 uh, of my support. So how did your surgical experience differ from what Jason and I experienced? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I was in another country, so, um, you know, they do all of, once you enter or get to the hotel in Mexico, they, um, you know, collect blood samples for all of your labs. They COVID tested me. Um, once all of that was good to go, I got scheduled for my CT scan. Um, and once you're cleared on your CT scan, you get your time for surgery. Um, the next day, you know, you come in, um, they hook you up for your EKG. They get you all situated. I got to talk to Lucia, who is a, the nutritionist there. Um, kind of talk to her about my uh, progress and, you know, just to say hi, to put a face to the name, you know, um, and then you wait and then you get hooked up with your, your IV. You make sure that all is well. Um, I struggle with anxiety disorders. So they were kind enough to help me, you know, with that beforehand. Um, and then, you know, a quick meeting with Dr. Ortiz, which was great, very, uh, calming, you know, minutes before your surgery to get to talk to your, your surgeon. And then, um, you know, before you know it, you're, you're on the table, you're talking, I think we talked about, uh, my Harry Potter tattoo before I went under. Um, and that's the last thing I remember. And then, yeah, just woke up, uh, was it transferred back to my room and I had some really wonderful nurses that, you know, every hour would come in, tell me it's time to walk. Um, they gave me ice chips uh, or ice cubes, which um, was great help, uh, you know, post-op when your throat is sore and you don't necessarily want to drink. Um, so they, they brought me everything I needed. Um, and then literally 6 a.m. the next day, I'm discharged and I'm back in the hotel. Um, it was a very quick, uh, quick day. You know, you don't, you don't stay in the hospital for, for longer than you have to, as long as everything is good. Um, went back to the, the hotel for a night and then, uh, you go back to the, the center for, uh, a leak test to make sure that all is good. Um, I, which is basically a barium swallow. So you're swallowing this so that they can watch it. And it's kind of cool because you can kind of watch it on a screen in front of you. Um, and, uh, I was experiencing some inflammation, um, of the, the 
part where my, my esophagus meets my stomach, um, I would like take a sip of water and then I would have to immediately get up and walk around in order for it to, to move through my stomach. Um, and they were great. They gave me an anti-inflammation uh, shot and I've had no issues since. Um, so everything was very like, oh, you have a problem? Here we go. Oh, you need this? Here's that. Um, it was very just quick and, and uh, timed, uh, which was really nice. So, I mean, my whole surgical experience, uh, people say, oh, did you have to, how long did you stay in the hospital or what was in your hospital bag? And I'm like, I didn't need anything in my hospital bag. I packed a whole bag. The only thing I needed was a phone charger, some slippers and a sweater, you know, like that was it. And um, yeah, everything was just very timed and regimented and the way it should be. Um, And it was wonderful. It was just in and out got it done. Well, and how nice too, again, just because of who I am, if I'm experiencing something, I, I would like a solution, but I also want to see what's going on, right? I mean, we're not, yes. we don't speak the same language. So with, with yes. all these medical terms flying around, I was constantly having to ask somebody, well, what does that mean? I don't understand what this is. Like you're speaking yeah. Martian, like I'm very confused and that's making me anxious. Like what's wrong with me? And to be able to like, oh, understand like, well, this is why you're drinking the barium, see what's happening. Oh, no, we don't see anything coming out here and here and here. So this means that that would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. Like what a great opportunity to also just educate you about your own physiology, like what's going on inside you before and after surgery. Yeah, that's a, that's a gift in itself. Exactly. And I think for me, especially with medical things, I always feel like I'm alone, you know, like, oh, my experience is so different than, you know, A, B or C persons. But really, it's obviously it's very similar because I said, oh, yeah, I'm kind of having issues with drinking water. And they're like, oh, cool. Let's just take a look. Oh, yep. See right there. This is exactly what that is. Cool. Let's give you a shot and you're good to go. Like it was just very like, oh, yeah, we see that all the time, whatever. It was very nonchalant. It wasn't a big deal, which I feel like sometimes in the US, everything is just like a big deal. And then you're made to feel like it's a big deal. Yes. And then you're made to feel bad because you're like bringing it up to your nurse or to your surgeon, right? Because you think like, well, I must be odd because nobody else is experiencing this, but that's simply not true. And so many people are not like the three of us, right? We are really great advocates for ourselves. We we don't mind being loud and obnoxious. We're not afraid of that. But a lot of people are afraid to, to be that way. And they're afraid to say, I don't understand what you're saying. Right. Because they think that they're, well, they're the idiots or, or, you know, well, I'm dumb because I don't understand what these words are. So then you just don't say anything, but then it could be, it's detrimental to your health and your well-being and your overall experience. And if you just don't have the, you know, if that's not who you are, then this is going to be a very dark yeah. uh, transition for you. And it just seems yeah. like your experience has been the exact opposite of, of kind of what, what Jason and I experienced. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, hearing, yeah, you everything was you just... to, hearing you say you got to meet with Dr. Ortiz, you know, even after the fact is amazing in itself because I saw my doctor pre-op to explain what the procedure was going to be. I got to see him the day of surgery when he told me what was, you know, what was about to happen and calm me down and put me back in bed because I was trying to leave because I thought, you know, this wasn't the time for me. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, no, you're going to lay down. You're, you're going to lay down, have a seat. We're going to take care of this and you'll be fine. So, but post-op, I've never seen the man since. The only the only time I saw him, I ran into him in the hallway when he was doing somebody else. I've seen the PA after that, but I've met I met the guy uh, twice. 
Yeah, me too, and, twice. And, and my thing is kind of like, you know, I had a, another patient that went to my same surgeon that were in a group on Facebook together. And he kind of meets, you know, he was asking me, he was like, you know, don't you think it's kind of messed up that we haven't seen the surgeon after the fact? And I kind of had to explain to him, like, I thought about it for a second, because I was like, I mean, it kind of is, but then I thought about it. And I'm like, well, technically, the surgical part is over. Like, we don't really need him. Like, he did his part. Like, all I asked him to do was to make this work and not, you know, not kill me on the table. And he, you know, he nailed both of those things. So past that, I don't really need to holler at the dude. Like, I can meet with the PA and everything is fine because I'm cool. Like, I'm here. Like, I don't really need any more surgical you know, we don't have to talk about anything surgical, so I could meet with the PA, but that was my thought process behind it. So Dr. Ortiz, maybe that is a really great question for you. Are we, you know, are we wrong in our thinking? Is it, you know, because I, I kind of feel the same way too. I wish I had a little bit more FaceTime with my surgeon, but at the same time, knowing that 250,000 people undergo bariatric surgery a year, you've done 24,000, right, in your own center. I mean, is it, is it selfish of us to want more time with our surgeon or is our experience you think kind of common? Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you combat this feeling in your patients in your own center? Uh, that, that's a tough question to, to answer simply because of the sheer numbers of, of procedures happening in the United States. And again, I don't blame my colleagues in the United States. They're overworked, sometimes underpaid, understaffed, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right now with the COVID thing, it's even crazier. Mm -hmm. uh, we now know for a fact that if you had weight loss surgery for everybody listening, the risk of having the severe form of COVID-19 almost disappears. And that's, that's a great study that just came out. So it's really? as good as a vaccine or maybe even better because it prevents the severe form of COVID-19. And there are studies now associating weight loss surgery to metabolic wellness and in turn, uh, this this COVID-19 fear that we have of, of having the severe form of the disease. So that's extremely important to say. But having said that, I think we're, we're, we're in this new world where we're trying to still take care of our patients, but we're really overwhelmed with all the new um, processes and regulations, et cetera, et cetera, that every single county and state is, is, is establishing. So from, from that standpoint of view, I think surgeons, my colleagues are having it a, a really difficult time. In my uh, uh, professional scenario, this is what we do day in, day out for the past 25 years. So of course I want it streamlined uh, of course, I want to be there for my patients, especially because a patient that's traveling internationally to a foreign country, they're going to say, but how are you going to meet the doctor? All right, you get to meet him when he's here. But are you ever going to see him again? Oh, yeah, you're going to see me daily. You're going to get tired of me because I'm going <laughs> to have your, your mail bin full of videos every single day that I've prepared with a lot of care, with a lot of... Uh, um, hopefully wisdom to to take you by the hand and lead you to where we want uh, you to go which is the next step the next step is where you automatically don't have to think about what you have to do what you don't have to do suddenly you become somebody who lives it mm -hmm. and uh, like i said an influencer an influencer that's already uh, can can 
not only talked the talk, but has walked the walk. And, and that's our idea behind me being available as a surgeon, not only during your surgery, but afterwards. And, and people know, they can text me on my text, they can email me, they can uh, phone me, and I'm always available for my patients. This is what I do. I've, I've always said, when if I can't do that, then I'm doing a disservice to my patients because I want to be able to do, to, to be that, that uh, physician that's holding your hand through the difficult times and take you to the next level. Hey, it's April with East to West WLS. I don't know about you, but after I dropped a significant amount of weight, my body just didn't feel like my own and I needed help feeling like it was my own again. So I started receiving chiropractic care. If you live in the Tacoma area, I cannot recommend Grit City Cairo more. Dr. McKenzie is passionate about helping you feel, function, and live better. Check out her Instagram at Grit City Cairo or her website, gritcitychiropractic.com for more info and to book your first consultation. And if you mention East to West, you'll get a discount on your first visit. I feel amazing after seeing her, and I think you will too. Yeah. Well, and, and I... I know, sorry, April, uh, I just had one question because I know a lot of the people that I've that I've spoken with directly since I've had my surgery that have questioned, you know, the medical tourism aspect of it and coming to you guys and having surgery done, their, you know, their situation, their, their biggest question is, is, well, once I get back stateside, what happens if I have a problem and I, I can't travel back to Mexico to have the doctor check out whatever problem I have? If I have to go back to the hospital, what do I do? Those are the questions that should be asked, and I'm the first one to encourage them. So most importantly, you do get what you pay for. So if you're going to go out of the country, come on, folks, you're already saving half of what it would cost in the U.S. Go ahead and find a reputable place. Mm -hmm. I don't want everybody to come to me, but find something similar, mm -hmm. and you're not going to find it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but try to find, try to find some, uh, a reputable center that you're at least going to have a fighting chance of having a good procedure and you're not going to have issues down the road. Now, if you do ever have issues, and like we were, uh, I, I, I was discussing earlier today with a patient to say, no surgery is complication-free, 100%. Once in a while, there's going to be a problem. Not major problems. In our series, we have 24,000 patients, zero death, zero mortality zero 30-day mortality. For us, that's incredible. Wow. Um, wow. And less than 1% complication rates. What have we seen? I'll, uh, I'll give you an example. Recent, uh, uh, in the past five years, well, maybe somebody threw up and they ripped a, uh, a stitch. Or mm. they threw up and the uh, sleeve kind of impinged upon the diaphragm and it was pinched by the diaphragm. In other words, a herniation. Mm. What do patients do? They hop on a plane and come back down and we fix them. Because then what happens, sometimes they're going to go into the ER and they're there eight hours, right? And then they're going to stay two days. And then they're going to see a non-expert. And then they're going to see uh, <coughs> maybe a bariatric surgeon who doesn't even know about us or our quality, etc. And they're going to try to badmouth Mexico. Well, and that serves you right for going down to Mexico and whatever, going to cheap places. Mm -hmm. And then they'll even try to make an example out of the patient. 
oh, we're going to have to remove all your guts and throw them away or some, something. <laughs> <stupid."> um, <laughs> and, and then patients are like, Doc, what, just hop on a plane and come on down. You've already spent two days. And usually it's a thing we can fix in a, a matter of 20 minutes, 30 minutes mm -hmm. tops. And it's mm -hmm. already covered. It's covered. So long story short, oh. when somebody is deciding to go outside the country, yes, you're going to get the benefits probably of at least, let's start off, of a more affordable procedure. But really, that's just the, the start of it. It's the, the cost of care, the quality of care, and the timeliness of care. With us, you want to book in a couple of, of months, you can book. You don't have to wait six months or a year like they do in Canada. Uh, the quality of care, we're giving you a complete program, and we're in touch with you 24-7. Um, and and, and uh, the, the cost of care, of course, it's a lot less than in the United States because our consumables, our overhead is different. It doesn't mean that the quality is not there. We're using exactly the same equipment that is used in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I was trained in the United States and in Mexico and trained surgeons all around the United States and everywhere else. So you are getting at least, let's say, the same quality. And when you look at the accreditations, that actually is a third party that says, Yes, these guys are on the up and up. Their quality mm -hmm. standards are as good or even better than most of the average patients in the United States. So that's what you want to look into before you travel. And once you get there, well, now you have to trust the organization that they're going to do you right after the surgical procedures. So having said that, statistically, these complications are less than 1%, one out of 100. And most of the times, it's a simple phone call. Oh, no, do this, uh, do that, or put a, a hot pad uh, on the area because it's a bruise, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the associated responsibilities to traveling outside the country. But please don't shop for price. When that goes downhill really quickly, there's so many opportunistic companies here and everywhere else where there's money to be made. Even, even in, in, in the United States, you're going to have different quality levels, especially in the health tourism field. That's the best advice I can give you. Well, and I, uh, just hearing your, your background before you entered, right, the, the, the bariatric world of medicine, you, your, your training was in like, you know, the, the hernia repair, which is a, a complication that some people experience. And then you also have it on, on the other side on plastic. So really you're such a well-rounded surgeon because not only are you an expert in, in the procedures that you do, but you understand the complications and how to fix them or how to avoid them in the first place. And then you know how to support people after their procedures. So it's, it's just such a, it seems like just such a very complete package that you offer as an individual and that you have built into the center that you have created uh, in Mexico. And thank, thank, thank you for uh, pointing that out. Yeah, we, because, because of the nature of not just the surgery, Mm -hmm. the nature of the patient mm -hmm. and the traveling patient. I want my surgery to be no nonsense, straightforward, recover, walk around, I send you back home. And that's why we do mm -hmm. the things we do. So say, for instance, with a gastric sleeve, we've designed something called the improved gastric sleeve. How did we improve it? No leaks, 
less heartburn, better weight loss, no failures. Because if you look online, that's what people are saying. Oh, I got heartburn. Oh, I failed. Oh, uh, I had a leak. So we don't want any complications, and we want yeah. it to be as effective as possible. So we redesigned the procedure. So that's what you get when you have 25 years of experience at a center versus the El Cheapo uh, with a free pair of Ginsu knives. Absolutely. <laughs> back now, and you get the Gia Pet, but wait, there's more, yes. et cetera, et cetera. So that's the most important thing I can tell people. Don't go cheap. You're already yeah. saving so much by going out of the country, but there's a responsibility to trusting that organization for your care afterwards. Just be available for them. And of course, don't skip my videos because my program, my follow program is a video based program that then you can use the links right there and you can generate a phone call or an email or call us up or whatever. But it all starts with that follow up program that you have to uh, look at every day, uh, much like Natalie says, it's her morning uh, news, uh, that, that daily video. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I also just wanted to say, you know, part of, uh, you know, researching medical tourism and, and looking into where to go in Mexico, I was torn between another facility and o OCC. Um, the other one, of course, had the lower price tag. Uh, but, you know, after weighing everything that you get, uh, really with OCC, all of the follow up, um, I remember reading people's testimonies on the Facebook groups and um, you really do get so much more uh, from this, uh, this place and to pay a couple thousand more. Um, sure, sign me up, you know, like it was kind of it ended up being a no brainer because you get so much more even though, yeah, you are saving money by going to Mexico, um, you, you just get the, the amount that I've received from OCC is just so much more than um, I even think or, or thought that I would. Well, and I think I paid uh, about $9,000 out of pocket for my procedure. That was, so it was billed at over $130,000 and I paid $9,000 yeah, and I had zero complications. There was, I mean, they, they, my surgeon got into me and he was like, oh, it was even better than what I expected. I mean, I, he, you know, nothing but great things to say about my insides, which means my procedure was, you know, was great. And I had no complications whatsoever. And it was a $130,000 bill and $9,000 out of pocket. And after talking with Natalie, it's like, uh, I could have spent less money, gone to, to, to OCC, I think had a much better overall experience right I was I was thrilled with my surgeons I was thrilled with my nurses my hospital stay was wonderful here right like that was all wonderful but the aftercare and the before care I think would have been far superior to what I received here and I would have spent way less money and I would have gotten a vacation out of it so uh <laughs> something to think about if if you're if you're in these stages <laughs> look if I had to pay nine thousand dollars out of pocket I'd be sitting here talking y'all fat as hell right now because I wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> <laughs> mine was about mine was about nine hundred dollars out of pocket, and my oh. overall surgery cost was about forty five thousand. But yeah, there, nope, I'd still just be sitting here. I'd just be talking to you guys <laughs> big as hell. Cause no. Well, you also get, you know, like you said, you make a vacation out of it. You're at this hotel, and you're sitting by the pool, and you see another person who just had surgery recovering by the pool. 
you're like, oh, hey, did, you know, most people are there with OCC. There are other people that are there with other um, surgeon centers, but you know, you're like, oh, hey, did you go see Dr. Ortiz? Oh yeah. And then they tell you how their experience was, which calms you down. You make friends, you know? Um, and then, yeah, it's kind of like the way that my mom and I kept relating it was like college, you know, we're all here for a certain, a reason. Um, we're all in the dorms, so to speak, you know, and the, it takes the stigma away. You just are like, okay, everyone else is here for the same thing. So that's another layer of, of just the support that you get, um, you know, just sitting by the pool and meeting three, four other people who are getting the exact same procedure is just, I mean, you wouldn't get that anywhere else. Uh, the fact that you said, oh, I got ready for surgery sitting by a pool makes me hate you even more because I got ready for surgery sitting in my own fear and anxiety locked in a bedroom somewhere. So yeah. Yeah. And the popsicles there are bomb. Let me just say. Don't even, okay. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to mute you and you don't get to talk for the entire rest of the interview. You're dead now. You're dead. Oh my goodness. Uh, Dr. Ortiz, I have two, two more questions that I would like to ask you uh, before we, we wrap up this interview, but really they're, they're related to how people can find success after weight loss surgery. So in your experience, what are the most common reasons that people are not able to maintain their low weight after weight loss surgery? It's, it's going to be several parts to answer the question. The most important thing is selecting a procedure for the right reasons, mm. having realistic expectations, because you might be successful uh, from a physical, physiological standpoint, even from a medical standpoint, but in your mind, you think you failed. So I would start off by saying, first and foremost, select a procedure that's right for you. The problem with this is that not all procedures are created equal, but there's certain rules the more aggressive the procedure the more lean mass loss you're going to have in other words the more aggressive the procedure the more invasive the procedure the more muscle you're going to lose so are you willing to lose 20 more pounds with the more the biggest toughest procedure the mac daddy of them all knowing that it's going to be hair loss protein loss, muscle loss, skin loss that you're losing, not body fat loss. So it's extremely important to understand that not all procedures are created equal. There's midline procedures, then the more aggressive ones, then the finer ones, etc. So that's very important that you have to discuss with your physician and, of course, do research online. Mm -hmm. I believe in the stepped-up approach. We start off with a very basic, very straightforward procedure and go from there. Having done so many thousands and thousands of procedures, I've rarely had to convert that procedure into an another one because the very mild procedure, it works. It mm. works well when done correctly and when applied as a program, not just a tool. Then, once you have realistic expectations, what is the weight loss you want to have? Is it really weight loss? Is it body fat loss? Or do you want to have metabolic wellness? And you have to even those out. And that's why our nutrition team works with the patients and says, all right, let's have you lose weight before the surgery. And that's not only uh, something that's required because it shrinks your liver, right, Jason? It also gives you a prognosis of how well you're going to do in the future after the 
having had the weight loss procedure. So if somebody loses a lot of weight before the procedure, I greet them, I almost hug them before COVID, and then I tell them, you're going to do incredibly well after the surgery simply because I've done so many of these that I know that you're going to do really well. And yes, three, three to six months later, especially guys, three months later, they're at their weight loss goal. And it's like, yeah. dog, how'd you know? It's like, well, been there, done that. So that's, that's extremely important. You have to set a baseline and say, this is where I want to go. And last but not least, it's selecting a program, not just a procedure. Because if you stray away from the program, you're going to go back to what you originally were doing and be apart from weight loss. I want metabolic wellness. And, in, and the only way to get it is by changing those three aspects we were talking about, the inflammation, the stress, and especially the macronutrients, eating the real essential ones and keeping away from the others. And that this is a real program. Some people will get more involved, some people less, but mm -hmm. it has to happen. Because the worst thing I can see, and this is the true failure for me, is not a patient regaining the weight. It's somebody who had diabetes, had the surgery, and had the, the diabetes cure, resolve, disappear, and then two years down the line come back with diabetes. That really gets me. Because now I got to start doing more aggressive procedures and more aggressive procedures. And there's nothing that's going to counteract the unwillingness of a patient to change their lifestyle. Sooner or later, we finished all the procedures out there and there's nothing else to offer. That's it's one of the, the missions that we have at East to West, right? We uh, in, in talks with with therapists and with other doctors, we, we know that the, the number varies and and more research is being done. But you have a 50 percent chance of regaining your weight two years after surgery. And we we want that number to, to decline because we understand that it's more than just eating less, right? As you said, it's the, it's the inflammation, it's the stress, and it's it's the macronutrients. And and that is, that's the work of weight loss surgery. The surgery is a tool, but if you use a hammer to build a fishing net, it's not going to work, right? Type of thing. So, right, focusing on, on those things is, is key. So if someone is listening and they have had the procedure and they have regained some or all of their weight, or they find that their metabolic syndromes have returned. So even though their weight maybe is low, they're, they're facing these issues. Uh, what advice or what hope can you give them uh, now in the moment to help them start to get, right, start, start to help lose their weight or fix their, their metabolic syndromes? All right, follow, follow this to a T. Go to your cupboard and your refrigerator and throw away anything with a label in a box, in a bag, or in a can. <laughs> Almost That's easy. That's simple. Not easy. <laughs> as that. Keep away from processed foods. Don't keep them in the cupboard. Don't give them to your neighbor. You're going to kill them. Throw them away. Processed foods should never be a part of your, of your life again. So if you keep away from that... That's a really good start. Number two, sift the noise. There's a lot of noise out there. Eat meat. Don't eat meat. Eat this. Eat that. There's, if it's natural, natural means that you recognize where the actual food came from. You can not, well, it's naturally corn that's been converted into syrup or, or 
something that uh, doc vegetable oil is good for you have you even seen oils and vegetables that don't exist brother no I mean, if you, and, and when you go to when you look at how vegetable oils oils are manufactured they're actually passed through chemical and then electrical currents because this gray snot comes out and then it's finally uh, purified until this crystalline oil comes out and simply because it's cheaper to do but that raises havoc inside your arteries there's much science saying that that is one of the part of the causes of all these vascular problems and cardiac problems that we have in modern uh, uh, day medicine so that's all processed food keep away from pro and by the way anything processed that's cooked in oil it's cooked in that type of oil be careful when you go out try to eat what are these foods I'm talking about? Eat vegetables, preferably the ones that grow above ground. The ones that be, grow below ground have a lot of starch in them, too many sugars. All the vegetables you want that grow above ground. Eat protein, animal protein especially, as long as that animal is not sick. So that's why sometimes we want to go with the free range, uh, naturally feeding uh, Grass-fed really doesn't mean anything anymore. There's so much to talk about that. Um, but organic animals, that would be great. And eat a lot of fat. What fat? Natural fat. Not the one manufactured by man. Oils are manufactured by man, those vegetable oils, the seed oils, because they have to be pressed, then heated up in order to be stabilized. That's where they become these radicals that can hurt your vascular tissue so what should we eat we should eat butter especially if it's organic ghee wonderful clarified butter um coconut oil oh no coconut oil is bad for you no it's not it's been proven coconut oil is wonderful olive oil uh it's great oh, avocado oil they're pressed cold the oil oozes out they're stuck in a uh, container and then you have them uh, you, you eat them you cook with them you dress your foods with them okay and and those are the plus all the fats that come in avocado in nuts and the fats that come naturally in animals those are the fats that you want to consume what are the proportions you're gonna find between 50 to 70 percent of what you should eat the energy in a day you should consume should come from fat 20 to 30% from protein and the rest, in other words, 10% from carbs. That we have seen. The only place to have actually cured diabetes in the United States is the University of Indiana, the uh, Verta um, project, and they've had over two years of treating diabetics with therapeutic carb restriction, and they're curing over 70% of them something wow. you have never seen with a medication there is no medication that will cure your diabetes or your mm -hmm. hypertension <clears throat> only three wow. things like i said will cure or turn into metabolic wellness uh, low carb high high fat lifestyle intermittent fasting and weight loss surgery wow, wow. that's amazing oh I am swimming in new information and 
things that I need to like go back. Now that we've had this conversation, I, I literally, when you said, go to your pantry, you, Dr. Ortiz, you, you would probably love my pantry and hate my pantry now based on this conversation. But now I want, I'm going to need to do a dump run today. I think I'm going to need to throw out all the things and start fresh. But knowing that, knowing the results that I can get from, from this type of restart is, is what's motivating me because I want to live a long, healthy life. I don't want to be the skinny fat or, or the other fat that you referred to. I truly want to be a healthy person. And I know that that's going to take some work, but I would rather do the work to be a healthy person and not do the work and be an unhealthy person because my life is too great to, to cut it short. Well, and this one of the things, one of the things that he said before we got on the run about that, that, that really sticks with me and kind of aggravates me about my surgery experience at the same time is that he's, you know, you're talking about the doing the one procedure and doing it right and, and not having to worry about the other ones. My PA, my surgeon's PA started by telling me, well, we'll start with the sleeve, but I'm sure you'll need a revision to go ahead and get down and lose all the weight that you want. But uh, we'll start with this one. But I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll come back. And I looked at her and I said, uh, I promise you I won't. I said, because whatever I lose is what I lose. I will not be coming back and re. I'm not going to redo anything. We're not stepping up to the next level. Like, if you guys don't get it all right now, you get one shot with me. Like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Natalie, any any final thoughts on our conversation for Dr. Ortiz? Um, no, I mean, I'm just... Uh, you know, glad I have that, had all this information um, sent to my email, my inbox, and I've been able to watch all of uh, Dr. Ortiz's videos, but, um, you know, to hear him, you know, speak it again, it, it's a, just a great reminder um, to just keep, keep it simple, uh, you know, stay away from those processed foods, and, um, you know, I also am just excited, <clears throat> excuse me, that, um, I get to share uh, my experience and my my surgeon and all of his knowledge with all of our listeners, and I'm just I'm hopeful that someone will uh, end up coming to you and 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 change their life for the better as well. Oh my goodness, Dr. Ortiz, we are so so thankful for your time and your knowledge and your expertise. We know that you are an extremely busy human, saving the world in in more ways than one. And we just we we very we're so thankful for your time. We love to give, give our guests kind of the floor at the end of our interview. Is there anything that 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 we left unsaid or any other tidbits that you'd like to pass along to our listeners or watchers? Well, first of all, congratulations because this this is what people need. You need to find somewhere safe. In, uh, to be heard, to listen, to be educated. Uh, like I said, there's so much noise out there. There's a lot of very good resources, and when you go and look for resources, unfortunately, in this topic, there is there really isn't the medical associations are not as savvy as one would like them. Unfortunately, we've been all been tricked and have believed all these preconceived notions since the 60s, 70s about fat, about uh, carbs, etc. And there's very few and and um, actual organizations that are finally understanding the true meaning of metabolic wellness. The most important thing is that if you're in the process of selecting weight loss surgery, definitely do your homework. Homework. Don't go over the cheapest place. Go to the place that's recognized, accredited, etc. Take time. Ask to speak to the surgeon or to the physician, and and if they don't take the time, well, maybe you it'll, it'll make you think twice. Um, belong to an organization like 
like uh, what you're listening today because, well, that actually helps you from a stress level, from an education level. Uh, you start um, sharing experiences with others they've already gone through, and that'll give you peace of mind. And last but not least, if you've already had surgery and it's not doing as well as you should, should go back to basics. Keep away, like we said, from all the processed foods. Remember, the flours, the oils, the sugars. Uh, go back to basics. Start eating good, wholesome food. Uh, like I said, if, if you're going to do something, eat leafy greens and vegetables that grow above ground. Eat protein. Eat animal fat and all the good fats. Keep away from the other ones. And that will reboot your system. And 100% of the time, patients that stick to a plan like that start losing weight again, and they regain their metabolic wellness. That phrase is burned into every corner of my being now, metabolic wellness. I might get it tattooed somewhere. I mean, that <laughs> is just, <laughs> that, it, that truly is transformational for me, and I think it's going to be transformational to everybody who listens or watches this, this episode. Dr. Ortiz, we, we truly, we cannot thank you enough. You're, this has just been, this has been life-affirming in, in more ways than one. If you do not follow Dr. Ortiz, you absolutely need to do so. He is on Instagram. His, uh, his website is phenomenal. I spent hours going down the rabbit hole of all of the videos that, that they have offered there. And it just it is a wonderful place to start. Uh, just uh, Google Obesity Control Center. It's www.obesitycontrolcenter.com. Highly, highly recommend. That's a wonderful place to start. Um, and like I said, their, their Facebook groups, their Facebook page is very informative. And if you would like information, reach out to them directly and, and you, can, you can start your journey uh, there with them. Uh, in terms of East to West, if you like what you're seeing, if you like what you're hearing, please like, follow, subscribe, share, download, do all of the things. We are at East, the number two, West underscore WLS on Instagram. Our YouTube page is phenomenal and filled with this episode and all of our other past episodes, as well as our monthly virtual bariatric meetup recordings. And they're all there free for you to access. And if you really, really like what we do and you want to support us at a different level, we encourage you to become a patron of East to West and your support just means that we can continue to support this community highly in ways that are meaningful and valuable for bariatric patients, no matter where you are uh, in the process. Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Dr. Ortiz, we thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, can't uh, thank you enough. Your information is invaluable. Uh, to everybody that's uh, watching, listening, sharing our information, we thank you so much for all the support that you give us. We're able to do what we do because you guys help support us. And supporting you guys supports us as well like you hold us accountable you know we're accountable to what you know you guys do as well so we thank you so much for joining us and uh, you've got this we've got you and we'll see you next time awesome thank you